this one ankle specialist just gave it to me straight after all of these depressing, you know, reports from everybody, like consistently just coming back the same, the same. This one guy just told it to me straight and he's like, listen, you have good health right now. You have your youth. Your ankle's probably going to be fine. It might have some issues later on, but I would suggest that you should go for every big thing that you've ever wanted to do in your life physically right now. Don't wait. Do it now. And I was like, okay, perfect. So pretty much made a plan that moment. And within six months, I sold all my belongings and I packed up a bike and my backpack and I bought a one-way ticket to South America. Welcome to Dear Lander, a purely Land Diego podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Jordan. I'm Amara. Today we are joined by a very special guest. I don't have enough good things to say about this. This gentleman sitting to my left, Alan Mandel. Moment. What? Yeah. What? so good to have you, brother. Dude, thanks for having me, man. Uh-huh. Super stoked to be on the Lander podcast, you know? Awesome that you guys are doing this. So you haven't been in Lander for how? When was the last time you were in Lander? Mm, I'd say the last time I was living in Lander was ten years ago, uh, high school for, for sure. And then I popped back through usually like a quick trip here and there. So uh, this Scout. February I was back in Lander just for like a week, but um, that was like no Fourth of July experiences. Uh, <laughs> just check it. Three years ago I was here for the Fourth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, four years ago. Yeah, I was definitely here four years ago because I had broken my ankle and uh, didn't have anything going on. So I was like, for sure, I'm going to be in Lander for the 4th of July. So That's awesome. Super stoked for this year, though. Not a great thing about the ankle, but, yeah, you well, know. Yeah. yeah. Things, things happen. I, I definitely am trying to get into that, too. If you're willing <laughs> to talk about, oh, yeah. about that. And I knew when we started the podcast, I was like, well, I want Alan, obviously. <laughs> but I knew that you were coming to town like every two to three years just for a hot second. Yeah. And so when you kind of told me that you would be in Lander for trail building, you know, this summer, I was like, like, we got to have Alan, you know? And it just worked out um, perfectly, bro. Yeah. Yeah. The stars align, man. So so you grew up here. Born and raised. And, and we graduated together. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we were both a couple of skate rats. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, man, I think that's how we met. Um, at least some of my first memories of our friendship. We started at City Park skateboarding outside the baseball diamond. Because, um, yeah, when I was just a young one, I, uh, I was homeschooled until middle school. And so I met most of my friends through sports and through skateboarding and stuff. And I started skateboarding when I was four years old. So mm-hmm. just skateboarding all around town. Everybody started to like learn who I was as the skateboard kid. And, you know, just there's like only so many people in Landers. <laughs> you find all the skaters really quick. And yeah, yeah. 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 And then we clicked. <laughs> so did you guys, you met before Starrett then, but you went to Starrett. Yeah. Yeah, we, and like baseball, we played baseball as kids. Totally. Um, yeah, I remember your dad was like our coach. <laughs> yeah. Shut up, Chuckles. He was totally our coach, yes. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> um, Alan, for all of our listeners, Alan's not like, oh yeah, I just kind of like skateboard and I kind of like bike a little bit. That's not. <laughs> Alan was like... Even at a young age, like the nastiest skater in town. <laughs> like it was undeniable. 
Mostly because, um, well, I also knew who you were, I think, because I grew up with, with Dave Duncan and yeah. Steve Bauer and, and totally. all of those guys who also skated. I think you were skating with them a little bit. Yeah. I mean, dude, that was my life. Like, I just pretty much was dead set on becoming a professional skateboarder. That's all I wanted to do in life. I was like, no other thing matters. All I got to do is just get good enough that I'll get sponsored. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, living in Lander, Wyoming, is pretty hard, but... My dad has a tile and granite business, Red Candy Tile. So yeah. uh, growing up, he used to go down to Denver, Colorado all the time. And we would get supplies there. And he would just drop me off at a skate park at like eight years old. And unheard of nowadays in like modern world yeah. parenting and stuff. But <laughs> they were a little bit, you know, like fend for yourself. Like welcome to the real world. So uh, I would just beg them to like let me go skateboard at these these parks in Denver and that's where I like saw like the potential and I saw like the progression and all the like actual skaters like really doing crazy stuff so I was pretty much hooked as soon as I saw like the legitimate scene and I was like okay like I just gotta be on that level so I just worked and worked and worked at it and just like kept hucking myself off of roofs and every staircase and lander <laughs> and yeah pretty much over the course of like probably I'd say like between seven or eight years old to like 14 i literally rode every staircase and lander i grinded every bank that there possibly was i'd like hit every gap pretty much and i got to the point where i was only riding with like the 20 22 year old guys that were like out of high school just like going for it and like those were the only people that were progressing me still i still rode with everybody but like you know, all of our friends, it would just be like, ah, oh, yeah, like, what do you want to ride? I'd be like, let's jump off that roof. And you know, but, like, nobody was down. So. <laughs> Definitely, I was not skate. I'm just, like, about the worst skateboarder of all time nah, for nah, as nah, long nah, as nah, I've nah, been nah, skating. Nah, nah. You're shredding, dude. You're shredding. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Thank you, man. <laughs> Yo, yeah, real world experience, for sure. Like, nothing's more real than, like, slamming on your ass at the skate park. That shit is, like... <laughs> So you were talking, yeah, stair sets. I was very into stair sets. I think the largest set I ever dropped was like seven stairs. And I and I was pumped yeah, dude. about that. Sorry. But you were like, so there's a stair set up here on the hill and the back of the showboat. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. And it's like yeah. 10 stairs, right? Yeah. Right when you turn on the Wyoming Street from 2nd Street. And I... Every time I go by, I look at that stair set and I think of you because I remember the story that you told about how you cleared that shit. Because I like yeah. walked up those stairs one time. I definitely I was not gonna like ollie those stairs. There's no way. <laughs> but I like wanted to check it out, right? For sure. And it was, it they're like ten stairs and maybe like six feet of good like solid concrete runway, and the yeah. rest is like. There's no way you could skateboard it. It's like messed up concrete, gravel, whatever. And I remember you telling, what, do you want to tell a story like about how you dropped this? Yeah, if you want. I mean, yeah, Yeah, we want. (laughs) So yeah, like there's a technique, you know, you sprint into the feature that you're trying to hit on a skateboard. You throw the board down, you jump onto the board, and then, you know, that gives you gives you your speed. But uh, with this horrible run in, I just pretty much had like, a split second to throw the board down, jump onto it, and pop an ollie. And like, there was no room for air. So I ran into it like three times, and I was just like running as hard as I could, like throw the board down, stop. And I'd be like, yeah, I think I got the speed. Like, and there's literally like only so much space, so you're just maxed out. And so I just like decided to go for it, throw the board down, pop the ollie, get the ollie, uh, come up just short, ditch the board, like tumble. 
And then I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, I just gotta pop harder. And so I like ran up again, and then I ended up just like throwing the board down, popped this huge all, like gapped it by like four feet out, and then just like stomped it. And everyone was just like, what the hell? Like, that's not supposed to be rideable. I was like, I don't know, man. That's, like, pretty sweet. But, <laughs> yeah, super sketchy. But, you know, we got her done. So <laughs> how did you find these places to, like, do this? Like, what was your – what did you – did you just ride around town? And you're like, Literally. that looks cool. Literally. That's all we would do. Like, that's I would grab so my fun. skateboard on average probably, like, six to eight hours a day. Because wow, I grew up in Red Canyon. So, like, out in the country, oh, couldn't yeah. drive. So I would have to catch rides whenever my parents would come into town and like they would sometimes be heading to work at like 8 a.m. or something. They'd be like, okay, well, like we'll drop you off. And so they would just drop me on Main Street and then I would just proceed to skateboard to all my friends' houses and knock on the door and like, you know, before phones and stuff. And so I would just like go to like Joe McGowan's house and then, you know, roll over to like Lauren Palmer's house and then like, you know, we'd get the crew together and then we just... I'd be always just skateboarding, some of the guys would be on bikes, but we would just like roam the streets, like up and down, grid pattern, just every which way, just like literally just bored kids just looking for stuff to jump off of, and over the years I discovered most of the streets, most of the features, most of the buildings, I mean like anything that had smooth pavement, like we were scoping it, like okay, can we grind that, can we jump off that? (laughs) That's so cool, do you have a favorite one? I'd say like the Methodist Asa is probably like still one of the go-to. The Methodist Church has a really good stair set. Yeah, that was like the first big one that I did. Never dropped it. (laughs) (laughs) Very scary. (laughs) Very scary for me. (laughs) So back then in Lander, felt like lots of skaters, right? Lots of kids like wanting to skate and skateboarding. No like great park for skaters (laughs) to skate at. Like we we had a skate park, but it was like in the back at North Park. The ramps, like, weren't constructed correctly. There wasn't much. And so, no. like, it was mostly, like, I grew up street skating. And, yeah. like, most of the kids in Lander grew up, like, predominantly street skating. So how would you, totally. like, describe uh, the skate scene in Lander? Like, were people that owned businesses and stair sets? <laughs> were, were, they, uh, were they friendly about that? What was, yeah, what's your take? Yeah, I'd say most of them weren't super stoked. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I remember feeling like a criminal, like as a kid, <laughs> being like, oh, like, gotta look out for cops. <laughs> and, like, they're gonna, they're gonna give us tickets. <laughs> and, you know, we're just trying to like skate something because yeah, like for a long time, there wasn't a skate park. So yeah, I remember like when I was real little, uh, my sister was in high school and there was kids out front of the high school, like setting up an old tailgate from one of their trucks on like a rock and they were like grinding on it. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever. And I was like, oh my God, like skateboarding, sweet. And then, but that's like what people were doing. Like they had yeah. nothing to ride in Landers. So the town became our skate park. And that's why everybody rode street skating. But then eventually we got the skate park and it wasn't built as well as it could have been. But, you know, we made the most out of it, but it still didn't really like check the boxes for like any like actual sure. vert riding or like a pool bowl or something like that. So mm. We just continued to ride the streets, <laughs> and yeah, that was, you know. What kind of board were you riding? Back then, I was a big fan of, like, World Industries, and, uh, but I tried most of the boards. I mean, my, my parents used to get frustrated because I would snap a skateboard, like, every two months. Like, I'd just go on two boards, because <laughs> I like to jump off of stuff. So yeah. If you're going hard enough and skating every day, man, like, man, yeah. It's like running shoes. You have to replace those after every few miles, no, you know? Yeah, totally. What were totally. you riding? Flip. Oh, I was nice. like very, uh, I was very uh, 
kind of like humorously um, devoted to like only circa. Yeah, skate I remember this. <laughs> and I was like, only flip skateboards. And then I feel like in high school, I was kind of like, come on, man. Like, you're not you're not sponsored by these. Like, you don't need to ride. Why so brand Like, flip is like not the best or something. It was just because I was like, I like flip the best of all, you know? Totally. Um, and board graphics, you know, they kind of, they, you know, play a big factor into, like, deciding, like, which board you get. Like, I remember thinking, like, the board graphics are so cool, but then you start to learn how to grind and, like, everything just gets wiped off, but... Yeah. <laughs> no, that was, like, I, when I got a new deck, I, like, I, I had a railroad tie, and I shredded that railroad tie. When I got, like, a new deck, I destroyed <laughs> Like, I made sure that people knew that I... Because, like, I wanted people to see, like, oh, that kid can grind. Yeah. And they, like, look at the bottom of my board, you know? Oh, yeah, it's a style um, thing, for sure. But Alien Workshop, too. Oh, yeah, I still yeah, love yeah, Alien dude. Workshop. I have quite a few of those. And then uh, I had some bakers and some elements. And... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So... I don't know jack shit about skateboarding, <laughs> by the way. Yeah, um, I mean, I know a little, but... Obviously not to the success. So this is fascinating for me. I'm like, what were you writing? What were you doing? Tell me all the things. Where'd you find your stuff? Like, you know, because the closest I ever came was the Tony Hawk um, game in PlayStation. Yeah, Tony Hawk Pro Skater. Yeah, and that was a fun ass game. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. What Pro Skater were you playing? Don't remember. Don't remember. Slept Sweet. since then. <laughs> Man, I credit, like, I credit that game a lot. Oh, it was so fun. Well, they made one. I think it was like three that you started being able to make your own skate parks. So they had all these cool. pre-built features like quarter pipes, bangs, fun boxes, all this stuff, and you could just like plug and play in different layouts and like different parameter sizes. And God, I would just spend hours just designing skate parks. I That's was just like, this is awesome. sweet. Oh, try that. Oh, make this bigger. <laughs> like, yeah, it was super fun. So then how did that video game lead into what you're doing now? Do you think it had any effect on that? For sure, yeah. Tell us about that. Um, so yeah, now currently I own a Trail Co. Inc., a trail building business. Um, and I mean, my mind has always seen hillsides and looked out the road when you're driving down, you know, the highway, picturing jumps off of one hill to the next and just thinking about all the things you could ride. And I was doing that with skateboarding too. Like every new town I would drive to, I'd be like, oh, look at that stair set. You guys see that bank? Look at that ledge. It's waxed up. And, like, I was constantly thinking about riding. So that game gave me a platform to really just, like, let my creativity run with jumps and designing, like, layouts. And I think that just, like, translated into learning a lot about, like, what features flow well together and, like, sure. kind of work. And obviously it's a video game, so it's, like, a little unrealistic, but then... You know, in real life, that translated really well where I can just, like, see a hillside and visualize, like, all sorts of different lines and then kind of process of elimination by all these different factors, like, find the best one. And then, yeah. Cool. That's so cool. Holy shit. That's awesome. (laughs) To have the skate vision or the bike vision. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On a a hill or a... Totally. Same with snow, you know, skiing and all that. It's like building, building jumps out of snow. It's just like... Letting the creativity run, looking at like transitions, like where you can land, where you can take off, if you can build the takeoff or build the landing, like which one's gonna take more time, like. God, that's so fucking rad. <laughs> like, just my brain does not work that way, and so it's like, that Sweet. is so cool yeah. that somebody can just be like, totes. It's an artist. It's 
artistry, yeah, for sure. <laughs> that's an artistry, man. Like, that's sure. so rad. So, speaking of transitions, when did you transition oh. to to uh, biking and BMX? Because I remember when that kind of got yeah, like bigger in Lander, yeah, with Joe McGowan and like the totally. Tanner Simpson had a had a bike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, like those are the those are the homies and. Um, yeah, around like 14, everybody started getting into BMX, you know, bikes a little easier to get around town on and we couldn't drive yet. And so like everybody started getting bikes and uh, I was just getting left behind because I was still on my skateboard ride or die. I was like, nah, I'm never getting a bike. I actually used to hate bikers. I was like so anti-biking because they would bring rocks into the skate park and I would like hit the rock with my skateboard wheel and just eat shit. So I was just like, <laughs> I was like, I was like, screw the bikers. They bring all the rocks into the skate park want nothing to do with them and then everybody got the bikes and I was like damn it guys come on don't leave me like the only skater behind and then I was like okay I'm gonna buy a BMX so I can wear my skateboard on my backpack and I'll keep up with everybody and then when we get to the spots I'm gonna skateboard and then that's what I did for like one week and then everybody was like hit the dirt jumps <laughs> and like I rode the dirt jumps on the BMX with like no idea how to ride a BMX and I got through them and I pretty much was hooked instantly like immediately like hitting the skate park, like started learning how to like do 360s and do some tricks. And then like with the BMX it's smaller so I could just like J hop and like bunny hop over stuff. And yeah, and I was trying to ride it like a skateboard. So I was hucking off of roofs and like hitting stair sets. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, like my wrists, like I was just destroying my wrists. And so I decided, I started like seeing videos on YouTube and I was like, there's people doing this on a mountain bike and it has suspension that looks way better. So I was, I think there's a few guys in town riding like what we call dirt jumpers. It's like a single suspension bike designed for jumping. And I just decided to get one of those instead of the BMX because I thought it would be better for jumping off of roofs. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah. and then, yeah, pretty much bought this old bike, uh, off a of buddy for like 75 bucks. And, that was the beginning of like my mountain biking and then from there it just grew into like me building jumps at my parents property out Red Canyon learning like how to build a jump because the first like hundred failed and then uh and then yeah like the evolution just kept growing towards more like dirt jumping and less like street riding but because we lived in Lander that was like still very prominent thing so I ride the skate park all the time and like learned most of my tricks I still do all today at the old shitty like Northside skate park yeah, yeah. <laughs> before the new one and um and yeah it just kind of kept growing from there it's so cool yeah. i also i just want to clarify when you say jumping off of roofs <laughs> what does that entail you can like, keep saying it and i'm like i need to know more like what do you do uh <laughs> like what's the technique for it or like what, all like, of it i so want to know all of like, it an average house roof and, okay, so like mine. Yeah. Okay. And then just picture your driveway and me on top just being like, okay, I think I'm going to go for it. And then just like rolling off your roof and either popping an ollie or on the bike, just pulling up and then just slamming on the flat ground and hoping that you're out of your way. Holy shit. So yeah. But that's amazing. <laughs> it took a lot that's of like, as a kid. Well, and that's like the thing too. <laughs> like when you're a kid, you're like, oh, wouldn't it be so cool if I could take a sheet on the roof and just like jump off and like float down, right? Yeah, but you were it. just like, fuck that shit. I'm go That's awesome. Well, I did yeah. when I was younger, when I was like six, I did try the sheet trick. Yeah, it doesn't big, work. Big fan of Calvin and Hobbes. 
they lied. It doesn't work. 100% <laughs> lied. It does not work. No. But, I mean, I was, like, I don't know. Like, I had this obsession about flying. Like, I still do. Like, I just love being in the air. And cool. so it's just, like, that brief moment of weightlessness and floating through the air. Like, I, I learned how to get better at it and learned about transitions and, you know, like, a few things from physics. <laughs> and sure. How to make those impacts a little less harsh but um but yeah when I was a kid I was just going off of everything trying to like catch air I just really I just wanted to know the details because I was like like, what does that mean I mean my limit when I was a kid is I used to measure things by because I was like still pretty short at that age um when I was like 12 or whatever I was like four eight or something like that and I just remember I would like walk up to something and I would like hold my skateboard as high above my head as I could and if it was higher than my skateboard then I usually would, like, not jump off of it. But if it Fair was, enough. like, around seven or eight feet, like, I would go for it. Um, maybe maybe if it was, like, ten feet, like, I would consider it. And then anything higher than that, I usually was a little cautious about. So but how did you get up there? Just would climb up some random fence or get on, like, get a boost from somebody. And <laughs> That's so cool. Favorite roof you ever jumped off of? Inlander. Um, the one by the Methodist Church, they used to have this old shed. And that was like Methodist Church pulling through, you know. <laughs> yeah, they've got a great thrift store. Like, yeah, I don't know what's crazy about that shed. <laughs> My ancestor built that shed. What? I learned. Yeah. No way. Well, so there's the Methodist thrift store, and then like a brown building that also says thrift store. That was like the old building. Yeah. That was a cabin that my ancestor had up in Miner's Delight, and they shipped down no. to Lander. Yeah, because of my. My family's like from South Pass and Atlanta yeah, City. Yeah, yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. Holy cow. But <laughs> I think I've watched you drop that shed, bro. <laughs> For sure, right? It's so like, amazing. That's amazing, like the connection there. <laughs> okay, so I kind of want to, yeah, bring up. So you're you're biking in Lander. I, I bring this up because aside from like being one of my most favorite people ever to like come out of lander like you were an amazing person also i feel like your story in terms of people like following their dream and kind of what they're put on this earth to do your story is hella inspiring man like how you kind of made that transition out of lander and like now yeah i started doing stuff in in chile and and in canada and yeah can you speak on that a little bit yeah tell us all the things (laughs) (laughs) well first off thank you so much for the kind words man that means a lot to me um yeah like i guess i should start with i was like really big into swimming and diving growing up and so that was my other big thing and so throughout high school from like sophomore year to senior year i was pretty like undefeated in diving and like Kept winning Air. every event. Makes sense. Uh, kept winning state. <laughs> and so, yeah, like aerial awareness. Like, I yeah. was just loving flying off of a diving board and, like, doing all these flips and stuff. And so uh, everybody was assuming I was going to go to college for diving. Everyone was like, there's all these universities, like, offering me scholarships. And my parents were like, yeah, like, I think that's good, you know? Like, you're getting a scholarship. Like, you should go to college for that. And I was like, but I don't even know what I'm going to do with my life. Like, I don't really want to, like, pay money and, you know, like, yeah, the scholarship's great, but, like, I want to pursue what I want to, like, what makes me happy. And yeah. and so, yeah, like, pretty much finishing high school, uh, it was a flip of a coin. Everyone was, like, kind of, like, you know, deadlines are coming up. And I just said, like, I want to keep riding bikes. 
and everyone's like you're crazy like that's not gonna work like you gotta like go into something that's actually like legitimate and I was like but biking's legitimate like I'm gonna I'm gonna make it work and so I was like well I don't know much about biking there's really no bike trails in Lander um, so I'm gonna move <clears throat> to the Mecca where all the biking is I'm gonna put myself into British Columbia Canada because that's where every single bike video I saw on YouTube was coming from and so I just, I knew Whistler was like the world famous bike park. And I was like, I need to go to Whistler. So I Google searched at 18, like colleges near Whistler <laughs> and like popped up Capilano University. And it was in North Vancouver and they had a branch in Squamish. And so I was like, okay, like Squamish is close. So I'm going to go there. And so uh, spring break of high school, I drove up to Canada with my dad and I visited the counselor at Capilano and she pretty much was like sitting me down. She's like, so what do you want to do? And I was like, I'm going to run a trail building business one day. I don't know like much. I don't really know much about business. So I just want to, you know, get a business degree so I can do a trail building business. And she was like, okay, well, you say that you really like biking. We actually have a mountain bike program. And so I was like, okay, like, I guess I'll consider that. And I was thinking it wasn't going to be legit. It was going to just be a waste of time. Like it will just be a fun program, but like, what's it actually going to do for me? So the lady convinces me to do this mountain bike program and pretty much it was trail building, uh, guiding, event planning, marketing, risk management, first aid, like communications, proposal riding, everything you need to know about the mountain bike industry and that pretty much set me on my trajectory for the rest of my life. So that opened up all these doors, it got me a student visa to live in Canada and Quick side note, like when I first got there, I went hiking around in the old growth forest for the very first time and I'd never been to the Northwest and I just instantly <coughs> fell in love. Like every cell in my body was like, you're home, like this is amazing. And grateful for both these places because I feel equally about Wyoming, but um, but yeah, that, that really just like set in stone that like this place is the right path and so I just kept pursuing that and uh, ended up trail building for years, meeting all these people in the industry, working my way up, just like putting in the work, putting in the work, just trying to get better and better at like riding and building. And then eventually I got um, invited to build at Red Bull Rampage, which is the world's uh, kind of most elite mountain bike event. It's um, really unique because it's the top 18 riders that are invited in the whole world. And it's pretty like brutal, like selecting. So it's really hard to get in. And then each rider builds their own run down the mountain. And so that's where I come in is as a trail builder, I show up and uh, I have this friend from New Zealand who I met through the, like just the industry and stuff. And I show up and he's like, okay, like I wanna jump off this cliff and I wanna build a jump off that hill and all this stuff. And I was just like, okay, like I'll make it happen. And so like I brought all my stuff down there. Like I had way too much gear and like very first day I'm like rappelling in on like a 60 foot cliff pickaxing this gnarly takeoff like everybody's looking at me because apparently nobody had brought ropes to rampage before and so i was like kind of like one of the first people to like actually like harness up because growing up in lander i climbed and so mm. i knew like all the climbing stuff so i was just like what i what yeah yeah I climbed dude a ton. yeah so i just like <laughs> i roped up and i was like rappelling into this thing and people were like what the hell is this guy doing and i'm like making this insane line and everybody was just like oh what the hell that, that guy's onto something so anyways long story short like that opened a lot of doors building at rampage it's the most elite riders and builders in the world it's kind of like jokingly called the builders olympics because it's like everybody's trying to make the best sculpted jump and like the gnarliest line and like all this insane stuff so 
Um, so I was pretty nervous my first year, obviously, and then I got invited, like, my rider got invited back, so I got invited back, and I ended up building there for three years for him, and then this last year, I built the third place uh, run for my buddy Reed Boggs, and I've dug for him for the last three years, and so through that, I've built this reputation, we built one of, like, the biggest drops at Rampage, and, like, it was, like, 57 feet or something like that, um, and, yeah, like... <laughs> Like, I'm, we're talking, like, me on a shovel individually slapping the dirt with just a square head shovel, uh, like, 150-foot long landing that's, like, 20 feet wide. Like, just literally, like, just so much work. But, you know, it paid, it paid off, and um, since then, I've been invited to build for, like, some of the Top Riders film segments, and in this last year, I was hired personally by Brandon Semenek, who is, like one of the top riders in the world, um, arguably the best rider in the world. Yeah, he has this insane compound at his house and happens to be like seven minutes from where I live in Canada. So uh, because I was in the right place, right time kind of situation, he called me up and I started like literally just going to his house every day and buttering up, like re resurfacing all of these jumps in the spring because after the winter, all the snow and the rain kind of washes the dirt out. So I went through and I was just like working with him and seeing him ride and stuff and like he's got this compound of 10 acres that's literally every square square inch is filled with like full-on like 20 foot jumps that are like training compound for like slope style and for all these things he's got airbags everywhere like mulch landings just to like learn stuff and so yeah like i built for him and then he asked me to build um his film segment in this teton gravity research movie that just came out escalanto and um yeah that was really amazing to like be able to build a film segment for a big movie and for none other than brandon semenek and um so then uh yeah i don't know i'm getting a little lost in this whole story but um you could keep talking yeah. forever i'm so fascinated talk that shit bro. I'm, seriously it's wow. so cool it's so fucking cool i'm like oh my god yeah like and I mean, I know a little bit because I used to work at CWC with yeah. Darren. Like oh, I was doing sweet. a lot of the marketing yeah, yeah, yeah. for ASI. And so like, I know a little bit nice. just from him, but like, and I'm like, you're <laughs> 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 so cool. Oh my God. Okay. I have two questions. Yep. Largest, like, or craziest gap or jump you've ever done. <laughs> and two, like craziest wipeout you've ever had. Ooh. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. Um, yeah, I think probably the craziest jump I've done, there's a toss up, there's these jumps up in BC called Backwoods, and it's like a 14 foot tall takeoff, and it's like straight up, it's a dirt jump, so you go super high, and then the landing's super steep, and it's like a 38 foot gap. That was a really crazy jump to hit, just because it was like, felt like you're in the air forever. But I'd say probably uh, the jump I built down in Chile is pretty gnarly because it's similar kind of style, but it's a 60 foot gap. I ended up taking it like 78 feet to my front wheel and just exploded and like somehow walked away like almost completely unhurt and uh, just scraped my elbow. But like I was the one that had to test that jump. So it was super gnarly because that was the biggest jump I had ever built. Uh -huh. And it wasn't even for me, it was for this other guy, Andre Lacondegui, who's like another big rider from Spain, and he was supposed to come down and film it, but nobody was there to ride it, and everybody's like asking me as the builder, like, what, 
is it gonna work? Is it gonna work? So I had to test that thing, and uh, it worked perfect first go. I wrote it like ten or twelve times, and then I like got kind of cocky and was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pop this thing and like pushed in and blasted it and just oh, way shit. past the lane. And it was like, oh no, but uh, yeah, it, um, so yeah, that was probably the gnarliest jump. Um, gnarliest crash is for sure my ankle. Um, I was riding in Kamloops, BC. And they have this amazing public bike park that's funded by the city that gets maintenance year round and they have these big ass jumps and it's like bigger jumps than any other public place and um, they're super fun, really well built. I was working my way through the biggest jump line, it was like first time through it and I was like picking everything off like one feature at a time, I'm like riding it, okay, got that one figured out, next one, okay, got that one figured out. And then I like linked them all together and I'm rolling through and I was just like in the flow state, feeling good, so I'm like... I'm cruising to the bottom, I've got it, like everything's feeling good. Um, but I was rolling kind of quick and there was a bit of wind and I hit this one jump and the wind blew me completely past the landing and it was a side wind too so I got hit and I got blown sideways in the air fully like 90 degrees to the landing and I free fell like almost 30 feet to flat and because I was like sideways there was nothing that I could do, I couldn't hold onto the bike and try and land on the bike so I had to jump off the bike. And then I'm free falling in the air, looking at, at this dirt coming up super quick. And I'm like, oh God, okay, nailed the tuck and roll, tuck and roll. <laughs> and like, nailed the tuck and roll, thought I was good. And then uh, I ended up like landing, and I like rolled, and I'm like sitting uh, just like straight legs out. And I look at my left ankle, and it's like completely twisted, and my foot's like backwards, and my tibia is just sticking straight out my sock. Oh. And oh. I was just like, <laughs> I was just like, oh my god, <laughs> that is not how it's supposed to look. <laughs> so instinct, I don't know. I just grabbed my foot and my leg, and I crossed it over and like supported it with my other foot. So I was sitting kind of cross-legged. Yeah, luckily my my really good friend Ben Byers was there with me, and he just came over and he was like okay, yeah, like, we've got the ambulance coming, like, it's all under control, you're gonna get through this, and as soon as I would start thinking negative thoughts, or be like, oh, no, like, it's, it's bad, he's like, no, 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 like, dude, you're good, you're good, like, you're gonna be fine, and, like, so we just started joking about it, and, you know, I was like, yeah, you know, it's nothing, like, I'll be, I'll be back by the end of the year, like, we're, we're chilling, like, it's all good, you're starting off good, it's gonna end good, and uh, I've got some super funny video clips of me, like, really calm and collect, just, like, kind of joking about it, and uh, while my phone's just sticking out. <laughs> and, then, oh, God. and then, like, the, the EMTs get there, they, like, cut my shoe off, cut my pads off, and, um, yeah, it pretty much was just like, okay, get me to surgery right away. Um, so I ended up, like, breaking a quarter inch off the bottom of my tibia, like, the whole bottom is gone. <laughs> And then I ripped a ligament completely out, and then I shattered the fibula in nine pieces. So outside my leg on the fibula side has a plate like halfway up it and like, a couple screws in there. And uh, yeah, like that was honestly like the best thing that ever happened to me. A lot of people are really confused by that. But yeah, tell us more. Yeah, yeah. Tell it's us more about that statement. because it taught me so much. It was like the catalyst for so much personal growth in my life. Mm. Before that, I was very much in that young gun, like, prove myself to the world mentality, and I was just working, like, way too much with trail building, partially because of a toxic work environment and boss relationship, but also just because I didn't have boundaries for myself yet. I didn't really know about, like, my own limitations and, like, honoring my own time, and 
I would just notoriously book my schedule like way too booked and then I would just go, 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 push through somehow. So I truly believe that the universe just like stopped me in my tracks and was just like, you need to take a hard reality check. Look at yourself. Very much an ego death. It dissolved me of my identity because when I woke up after surgery, the, the doctors show up and they're like, you know, like pretty somber and I'm like, what's going on? Like, I'm gonna, like, what's, what are we looking at for the recovery? Like, when can I ride again? thinking like, oh, this is just another injury. And they break it to me, they're like, listen, like your ankle was a jigsaw puzzle. Like we did our best to get it back together, but there is no guarantee that this thing is gonna be like a full recovery. Like you, you gotta work hard at it, but like, you know, your life may look a little different now. And so that's when it kind of all hit me and set in. And I was like, what do they mean? And then I like, you know, had all the overwhelming thoughts of like, maybe I can't ride bikes anymore, maybe I can't skateboard anymore, maybe I can't climb mountains anymore, like, all these things that I, like, are literally me, every aspect of my life yeah. was, you know, threatened at uh, maybe, maybe never happening again. So, long story short, I, like, ended up being bedridden for two months, and um, during that time, I just educated myself so much about holistic health, about the body, about meditation, started like exploring all these things I had been curious about my whole life, but I had never really had time to like learn about. Um, because the first week I just started binge watching movies like everybody does when they get hurt and I'm like watching Netflix and just sitting there in bed. And after like, you know, the 10th movie, I'm just like, they're all the same. Like literally <laughs> everything is the same. I was like, it's the same story. It's the same character, like whatever. I was like, nothing excites me anymore. I was like, this is stupid. And then it just hit me like a freight train. I was like, I've been given the biggest gift ever. Like I have time, like time is the most valuable thing in our life and we waste it constantly. So I just decided in that moment that I was going to take full advantage of all the time I had not having to work, not having like any responsibilities, not having like any like expectations from me from anyone. So that's when I went through this radical process of self-discovery and learning how to meditate. And when I started meditating, like, you know, I was doing it every day, every day, every day. And then after like three weeks or something like that, I had this breakthrough, like epiphany and like all of a sudden just all these like intuitive messages started like coming to me about my life and uh and pretty much it just was like who are you like who are you really and i never questioned that i was just like well i'm this and this and this because that's what i was told i am and that's what my parents told me to believe and all of these things and so i pretty much went through this whole process of dissolving everything to rebuilding the structure of like who i wanted to be and then by that point, I'm doing physio and stuff, and I'm like feeling super enlightened. I'm like, I figured out meditation. I'm enlightened now. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> and so I'm going around telling everybody they need to eat veggies and meditate, and everyone's kind of like, oh, it seems like you've had a pretty big shift. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, everything's great. And so I started doing physio, and I'm going to like these ankle specialists, and it's like, my ankle's coming back, but, um... Didn't you have that Canadian healthcare, too? Yeah, hey. yeah. Super, super... It's gotta be nice. <laughs> gotta be nice. Don't you know, bud. Don't you know, It's real nice there. <laughs> um, yeah, so that saved me a ton of money. Um, but, yeah, like, as I was recovering, um, I was going to these ankle specialists, and every every specialist I saw was just like, dude, your ankle's blown up. Don't, don't ride bikes anymore. Stop doing every high-impact activity. Like, that's your best bet at, like, getting longevity out of this thing. 
and everything I was learning with holistic health was like these profound healing stories and I was like you know what if people can heal themselves from cancer and stuff like that like I can for sure as hell like walk on this thing again and ride bikes again so I just like made a pact to myself that I was gonna like come back make this thing you know like a positive thing in my life and um, this one ankle specialist just gave it to me straight after all of these depressing, you know, reports from everybody, like consistently just coming back the same, the same. This one guy just told it to me straight and he's like, listen, you have good health right now. You have your youth. Your ankle's probably going to be fine. It might have some issues later on, but I would suggest that you should go for every big thing that you've ever wanted to do in your life physically right now. Don't wait, do it now. And I was like, okay, perfect. So pretty much made a plan that moment. And within six months, I sold all my belongings and I packed up a bike and my backpack and I bought a one-way ticket to South America. And I just had always wanted to go to South America. And so that was just a big bucket list thing. I was like, I want to see the Andes. I want to see big mountains. I want to see the culture. So I had zero plans, zero Spanish. Like I had a little bit of a plan, but yeah, more or less like, I went there on a bit of a spiritual journey and a bit of a personal journey and I ended up spending two and a half months in Peru, um, started off in Lima and I filmed a free ride bike video, the first ever one in Lima and I met all these people because they are like, what's this gringo doing here biking? And then uh, everybody was like so friendly and just so amazing, like so, so much hospitality and so like they just took me into their homes, drove me around, showed me all their trails and then I ended up uh, having like some close friends. Willie Rats, uh, Kent Scarry, Ross Cook, <laughs> and uh, I don't know if Ruben made it down down on that one, but yeah, like the boys came down, Lander crew, and they came down to visit me for Christmas, and so we went to uh, Machu Picchu, we went to Cusco, uh, we went north to Haraz, and we did a backpacking trip in the Andes, like total rookies, we spent like a week at sea level, and then went straight to eighteen thousand feet. And like, you know, struggling with the elevation a little bit. And then, um, and then those guys left and I ended up spending 10 days in the Amazon. And I went to Iquitos, uh, which is the largest city in the world that has no roads in or out. It's only accessed by air or boat. Kind of pretty crazy. And it's like 500,000 people in the jungle that are just like in the middle of nowhere. And um, that's cool. Yeah. And I, I was really fortunate enough to be able to spend 10 days at the sanctuary, um, just like 20 minutes outside of the Kidos and spend 10 days doing um, ayahuasca ceremonies with some of the indigenous tribes and learning like some of their ways and ended up doing a Wachuma ceremony which is the San Pedro cactus and pretty much left the Amazon with overwhelming amounts of gratitude for my life. I realized like every single thing was exactly perfect and it needed to happen exactly that way and that every single person I met in my life shaped me to be the exact person I am and it was just like amazing to have this like layout map of like how I became who I am and then it was just like oh sweet well if everything's been perfect like I don't need to worry about anything in the future be like not like irresponsibly but like everything's gonna work out like and so I left the jungle with like just this this bliss about life and I like proceeded to just trust fall into like the South American culture with like still very minimal Spanish really no contacts, nothing, and then proceeded to just have like, like a storybook unfold. Like it was a, it was a fairy tale. It was literally like a random girl from Instagram hit me up, uh, sent me a message and it was like, you're in Peru. Oh my God, I have all these friends there. Like here's their contact info. Like, and then I link up with her friends and then they like, 
you know, help me out with everything. And then she's from Chile, and so she's like, I'm going to be in Chile in February. You should come to Chile then, and I'll show you around, take you to the beach and all this stuff. So I fly into Chile, and I delayed my trip till February because of her. And when I arrive, these two really big pro riders from Spain show up, the Lacondigui brothers, and they're like, yeah, we're here scouting locations for this new Red Bull movie that we're going to film. Uh, what are you doing here? Because I met them at Red Bull Rampage from, you know, in Utah. And so they, like, knew me from building and, and, and riding and stuff, but... I was like pretty shocked that they actually remembered me and so anyways they took me on this wild two-week trip where we got to ride like volcanoes bike parks like all these crazy trails I got put up in like all these hotels for free and like got just swooped up into their like wave of momentum and nobody knew who I was but then as soon as they saw me with those guys like all of a sudden I became this like known gringo that was traveling around in Chile and so because I was a trail builder it was a really unique situation because there's this exploding mountain bike scene in Chile and pretty much all over South America, but in Chile it's like really going fast. And they don't really have like, they've never had any like proper instruction on trail building. So it's like, not that you need that, but like, it's easier to look at an example and then copy that or mimic it. And so they would always look at videos from Canada and like where I'm from or like where I'm living. And so they were like, oh my God, you live there and you build there. like teach us, like teach us how to, how to build this stuff. So I got an opportunity to uh, build a pump track when I was in Peru and that was super rewarding because it was like one of the first pump tracks that they'd ever seen. And there was like 85 kids lined up to ride this thing. They rode cool. it for eight hours and they were wow. just so grateful and the amount of people that were like, thank you so much. I was just like, dude, I'd build this in Canada and nobody would flinch, like nobody would even blink an eye and just, they'd be like, oh, cool, another pump track. Here, it's like, it goes so much further and so much more impactful. So that was really eye-opening. And so then uh, when I was in Chile, I ended up, um, after this two-week road trip, uh, I ended up meeting this billionaire who owns an action sports complex called Pete's Park. And he's like a professional rally car racer. And so he's super into like rallying these buggies and like pretty much anything with a motor. And, um, and the timing was just perfect because I show up and I meet this guy and I'm like, what is this place? Like, how does this exist in Chile? Like, there's like super cars and like a private racetrack and a moto track and a horse field randomly. And then a whole hillside with like bike trails and dirt jumps and a pump track. It's just huge. So yeah, like I'm talking to some of the guys that are working there and I'm telling them like how I just finished this two week road trip with Andre Lacondigui and his brother and they're going to come back. And he's like, oh my God, you need to build something here for that video. And I was like, really? Like... I, I mean, do you think they'd be into it? He's like, yeah, 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 you need to meet the owner. Like, as soon as you meet this guy, like, he's going to fully be stoked on everything you're doing. So I meet this owner, Pablo, and not Pablo Escobar. <laughs> Just to clarify. <laughs> Just to clarify. I know that's where everybody's mind goes. Um, no, so Pablo is such a friendly guy. Um, and, yeah, he just comes from wealth in his family, but he's all about trying to get back to the Chilean people. And so he loved the idea of me building these jumps, and he bought me a 33-ton excavator to build these jumps. And he just said, go nuts. Whatever you need, like, we'll, we'll get it for you. This seems like a super good opportunity for our business, Pete's Park, and to, you know, create, like, some publicity around this. And so... Like, I'm just in travel mode, and I'm like, oh, sweet, like, yeah, build some jumps, cool, I guess I can do that, like, I've got no timeline, like, I've got no job to go back to, I'm just kind of open-ended on this, so 
I started like telling him what I need. I'm like, I need a, a couple people to help me. So Andre's brother, Louis, flew down from Spain. And then my friend from Canada, Ben Byers, the same guy that was with me when I broke my ankle. He, uh, he comes down and we start doing this big project and it literally like just starts three days into it. COVID hits Chile. The president announced that they're like shutting the borders down, nobody in or out. And we get the notification like, hour 18 of the 24 hour notice so we're like oh, okay no. so like we're just indefinitely in chile now um, oh shit <laughs> holy shit you know have a brief panic moment <laughs> and then we're like okay i guess like we're just gonna keep doing what we're doing as the plan was and so um pretty much for three months we just worked every day on building these jumps and i felt i found myself in a really like big role that I was like not expecting to be in where everybody started just looking to me for all of the guidance and like direction on this thing and I mean it was my idea but I definitely like wasn't really thinking it through that thoroughly because I was just like oh my god like I'm the one designing these huge jumps like bigger than anything I've rode and I'm like running a machine like five times the size of anything I've ran just straight into it baptism by fire and I was like well, this opportunity is only going to come once, so, like, I'm not going to waste it. So, like, I just go for it, end up building all these jumps, project ends, we go back home. Nothing ever, ever happened with the film because, like, you know, everything happened, like, COVID made everything collapse. So, after that, uh, that year, I ended up going back to Chile the next year, and when I showed up, I, like, couldn't believe it, but, like, there was, like, 85 locals shredding the jumps. Like, not just getting over them like whipped out sideways like flipping them like trying to spin them like doing all these tricks and I was I was just like where did you guys learn how to ride this stuff and they're like well we just we just did it we just rode them and like we learned on these jumps and I'm like like to give scale like these takeoffs are like 16 feet tall like Holy 45 shit. foot gaps you're going like 45 miles an hour into the jump they're insane. Like, and we just learned on those And they jokes. just yeah. learned <laughs> on those. I'm like, you guys are insane. Like, what the hell? So, yeah, like, that was super eye-opening. And we ended up uh, filming a video on it. And because we were like, well, if nothing's going to happen, like, let's, like, I'm going to film on these jumps. Like, I deserve to, like, film these things because I built them. And, right. and so, yeah. Sorry if I'm just chatting to you. Oh, no, no, you don't have to be sorry keep about going. Thing, It's so awesome. So, yeah, like... Uh, round two, I ended up going back to Chile because this other location in the south of Chile contacted me because they were like, we're building a bike park and we want to build big jumps and you're the guy that built the big jumps in Chile, so we want you to come build the jumps here. And so I went to this farm that was like a 1200 acre farm and like this incredible family um, and they just, they housed me for like two months and I got to build this amazing jump line in this farm with like green grass everywhere and kind of like red dirt and like near a big volcano, Volcano Villarica and yeah, just a beautiful location. And then after that build, I was already there. So I contact my friend Lewis, who was helping me build the jumps at Pete's Park. And I'm like, dude, I'm here in Chile. Like, what are you up to? And he's like, screw it. I'm coming to Chile. Like, let's film this video. And I was like, okay, let's, let's do it. So he flies into Chile. And then our local friend from Chile is a filmer, like one of the top filmers for like moto stuff. And he like had this childhood dream of filming a mountain bike movie, but he had never like had the right pieces in order. And so finally, like everything just stars align. We're about to film like the Pete's Park video. And that was like all it was supposed to be was just these jumps that we built the year pre previously. And then while we were at Pete's Park, like I mentioned, like the owner is really into like rally cars and like rally racing. He's won like all these big races and he's got friends that come by and 
rally like their their buggies and trophy trucks and stuff on his racetrack and so we were just there living there at the park and then this guy is just hanging out with us and we're talking to him and he turns out to be like the current top rally driver in south america and he's like so you guys have like sponsors and stuff for this movie and we're like well like no like we're just doing it super grassroots like we're just kind of weaning it like our buddy's gonna film for free and like we built these jumps and like we just want to like make something happen on them and he's like well let me make some calls i think i can get you a truck and we're like what and he's like well at least for your you know if you want to get around or do a road trip or something maybe film other locations like i could probably get you a vehicle because i've got all these connections in the automotive world so he makes a few calls. Literally the next week, we're walking into this company, Max's Trucks, and uh, we walk in. They have it all ready for us. We just sign a few pieces of paper. They hand us keys to a brand new truck that's like equivalent to like a Tacoma. And we literally just like drive up, drive away with this brand new truck. And they literally just said, take it as long as you need it. Any content's great. And so we like just shot photos and video clips for them. And um, we ended up taking that truck and doing a 10,000 kilometer road trip in two months with it, which to clarify, we did all the driving in four days, which is pretty insane. But um, we started off in Pete's Park, we filmed and we went to the south of Chile and we ended up filming at like some bike parks and people were giving us like housing and like bike park passes and food for free. And then we like went down to the other place I built jumps at previously that year and like filmed that location on the farm. And then we filmed all these like first descents in the north of Chile. We went all the way up to the Atacama Desert and we drove around like a month and like found all these insane virgin lines that were just incredible desert terrain for free riding. And then we ended up, uh, our final location was San Pedro Atacama. And San Pedro is like a very mystical, like sacred place and there's like we got to see like all of these petroglyphs of like shamans and like all of these like ceremonial sites that people usually can't go to but we met this mountain guide randomly at a barbecue who wasn't working because covid and like the tourists weren't there and he's like oh like i would love to show you guys around the place like i know this place like the back of my hand so we only had a week and a half there and he just happened to meet us the first day and then we just like ended up having a hookup with a mountain guide that just took us to all these crazy locations in San Pedro. And we ended up finishing the trip doing probably the gnarliest descent of my life. It was 500 feet lower than the summit of Mount Denali. So we were 19.5 or something. Huh? Yeah, yeah, it was 19,000 feet. Holy so shit. we were riding at literally almost the summit of Denali and we were free riding desert lines in the Andes because the Andes are just insanely big. But like in that part of the Atacama Desert, the mountains have the same elevation, but they're desert. They look like Utah. We found this like volcanic like hill that was just like these beautiful shoots, not any rocks, like perfect dirt, but it's such high elevation that we like needed oxygen at the top. And so like luckily our mountain guide friend just like contacts his boss and we get like a crew together and we go up there with like multiple <laughs> trucks and we have oxygen tanks and all this shit i'm like how did we just manage to pull this off like we were so unprepared like and so literally like we're at the top like breathing oxygen so we're stabilized and then we're like dropping in on these lines that are like a thousand two thousand vert and then like you're just skiing down these chutes and couloirs, and then at the bottom there'd be like another guy with oxygen in case you needed it. <laughs> and like, and like, I shit you not, like my last run down, I was like, oh, I'm gonna just traverse over there. And I like traversed like a couple hundred feet, 
And then I dropped in not thinking anything of it, but the little bit of traversing like tired me out. And then I like started going down the chute and was like getting tunnel vision like as I was oh, going. Shit. And I'm like getting like tunnel vision and I'm like, hold it together, keep the breathing calm. <laughs> and like, yeah, I ended up riding it out fine. It was like, yeah, I didn't pass out or anything, but it was close. I was like, this is insane. Like riding at this elevation is nuts. So Dude. yeah, we, uh, we successfully filmed an entire movie uh, that was supposed to only be one film segment on all these jumps that randomly just happened. And ended up uh yeah leaving with like a super awesome experience and yeah now what's the name of the movie for us and our listeners yeah once in chile once in chile yeah where can we find this movie um it's gonna be posted on youtube i think here next week uh, wow cool. the timing the is timing is so good yeah we didn't even plan that <laughs> We did not. I'm serious. We, <laughs> we didn't did actually. We didn't even yeah, play no. that. We're like, Whoa. you know who sounds cool to have on here? Alan. Let's get him on here. <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> wow. Wow. You guys are really getting the full life story. Oh, God. It's that's, so cool, though. Yeah. That's, that's you know, some of the highlights. So you've returned. So I've returned. You were back in Lander. And I'm what here. are you doing here? So now I'm officially, like, running with my trail building business, Trail Co. Inc., and I'm getting to fulfill my childhood dream of building awesome bike trails in Lander. Uh, a couple of them are through CWC at the ASI campus up Sinks Canyon. Um, and then I'm doing a down, the first ever downhill specific trail in Lander at Johnny Behind the Rocks. And I'm rebuilding my Eagle Scout project, the Lander Bike Park. Um, when I was 15, I built that. And that was my very first build that I ever did, like legitimately. Cool. And so it's really cool to like full circle back and as a professional trail builder come back and like completely revamp it and yeah it's just like incredible honor to be able to like come back to Lander and do all this stuff. Is that the one that's by the high school? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Nice. I was like. Hell yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Oddly enough, I remember when that went in. No. And way. I wasn't living here, but I like. Whoa. Sweet. But like I just remember driving by and being like, oh look at that. What's happening there? Surprise, over there. Isn't that wild? What was I doing? I don't know what I was doing. But I do remember it coming in because I was like, that's new. Yeah. It's cool that it was you. I should should (laughs) add that, you know, Darren Wells like stepped up in a really big way along with Wyoming Pathways. But um, Darren Wells has got, he convinced the, the college to create a trail building school. And so the school that I attended in Canada was the only program in North America. And it was like very internationally known and world renowned for this program and like one of the only certifications you could get for trail building. So I attend this school. Two years later, the college becomes a university and they grew too quick and they had budgeting issues and they cut all the art programs that they had. Of course they did. Of course they did. Because that's how that shit works, man. Yeah. Dude, sad day. So that program has been missing for eight years and... It's literally been this void in the industry where like now the demand for trail building has gone way up because especially with COVID, everybody mm-hmm. could work remotely and like from home. So all of a sudden there's like quadruple the amount of user groups on the trails. Sure. And now communities yeah, are like, definitely oh my God, we need new trails. Shit. And then they're like, okay, hire these trail building companies. Who, who's the trail building company? And it's like such a niche industry that like there's only so many. Mm-hmm. So they got like completely booked out and then they're like, we need more. So all these people are like trying to start building companies, but there's literally like zero regulation or like industry standard except for this program that existed. 
So now Darren Wells has stepped up with CWC, and they are creating the trail building program, and I get the honor of writing the curriculum for it with Darren and his like guidance on it, but I'm implementing the curriculum I attended because I have everything still, and I'm taking all of that, dropping it in, and then building off of that foundation with all of the like years of experience I've gained and teaching way more in depth about the like time and place, philosophy around building, working with land managers, the design process, like the business side of it, like all of it. So this is gonna be a program that they're looking to create a bachelor uh, degree out of, and that's gonna be an incredible thing that's starting this fall. And uh, yeah, big things for Lander, Wyoming. So we're gonna take that amazing World Renown program, drop it here in my hometown, and talk about a full circle. I left Lander full with nothing here, and now I get to recreate everything that I had to go off to Canada for back yeah. home. So. Can this we just pause for a second though, and talk about Darren Wells? Yeah, because yeah, he is yes. the fucking shit. Yeah, he is the <laughs> shit. Like just knowing him, sometimes I'm like, man, you're just you're so cool. Like, oh my god, because <laughs> right? you know I worked with him like to help him market his stuff, and yeah. just like the things that he accomplishes on a daily basis is like. <laughs> mind-blowing so i just totally. wanted to toss it out there yeah. darren wells yeah. you're out. the shit darren wells yeah you're the James shit darren, you're the man well i mean like you know because the whole and stacy and stacy i mean sure. really Can't that whole that group um because <laughs> they did the interdisciplinary climate change expedition oh. he was a part of that which is ice out of asi and it was mm-hmm. darren wells and jackie clanter and todd gunther yeah. and they did this amazing for years they've done this like amazing expedition where Darren taught everybody like how to go into the back country safely like what does that look like so it was like outdoor education students mixed with GIST students mixed with anthropology students and so they were going into the back country up to Gannett Peak and like measuring the water and like studying climate change and how much like the glacier was disappearing sure. and like what microplastics looked like up there but then also like Todd and his students like found the highest buffalo jump ever on record <laughs> up there as anthropology majors no right way. yes Where like was it? Um, up on Gannett Peak, what? like up in that area, right? Like, I mean, those three, revolutionary to me. And so it's just like, I am not That's surprised awesome. that Darren's like, fuck around and find out. Let's do this shit. Because... Yeah. Totally. They ju- that's just what they do. Yeah. And they're so cool. I don't think people <laughs> realize how cool they are. Okay. Yeah. Also yeah. Jackie Quancher and Todd Gunther. Let's just throw that up. I'm done on my folk, you know? Yeah, I'm like yeah. I am done on my like pumping up but they are they're they're the good ones for sure. For sure. I, f- I feel like this topic has literally fallen into my lap with what y'all are y'all are bringing up with this new program here at CWC, right? Last season, we had Angie Flint on, who's huge on mountain biking, and is part of the Jurassic Classic here in town. And I asked her, like, Lander is a climbing, like, Lander's, like, world-renowned for climbing. Like, people know Lander. I asked her if it would be the same for mountain biking, because we're starting to see, like, lots and lots of traction. I want to get your take on that, especially with this new program, dude. What do you think? Is Lander's going to go gangbusters, like... With the mountain biking? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> okay, so then that brings me to another question then. What do you think that major change is going to do to Lander? Like, do you think that we're we're going to be ready for that big change? No. I, I'm actually, I express deep concern because it's a weird double-edged sword. Because I'm right. literally yeah. the one building these trails. And I know what people, like, I 
I came from here and I left here because I wanted to ride sweet trails that I saw in the video. So I'm building trails like the videos, like the same quality yeah. of trail that Canada has or like Colorado or like- And now Chile. Now Chile. Chile. <laughs> but it's a really concerning issue for me because I also see this, the way Lander has been set up and the foundation that we have, it's amazing for a small town. But you can look to examples like Jackson with the infrastructure of like how they've handled managing like the tourists. And like my brothers lived there for 10 years and every year it just gets more and more and more. And all the locals are sick of it. Like they just, it's so overrun because they don't have the infrastructure of highways in place of like going around the town or anything like that. Like that there's so much traffic, it's, it's just oversaturated. Yeah. So we're not there yet by any means. Uh-huh. But it's a really interesting topic because I'm like, I want to build all these badass trails. But I also think it's a topic that really needs to be considered. Like, how are we going to manage the increase of tourists? Because we're going to get a lot of people coming. Like, biking is literally a fun, fun fact. <clears throat> One in four Americans ride mountain bikes. It's literally equivalent to golfing. And wow. That's amazing. They're, the, That's a great stat. Yeah, great stat. <laughs> and so we're literally getting to the point where almost half of those mountain bikers are now commonly traveling for their vacations based on bike destinations. Sure. And so like, this is the new thing. Like mountain biking has exploded and it's amazing. And there's so much positivity that comes from the bike community. And I think I can, you know, say for sure that like the bike community has changed my life and I've met the best people in my life through bikes. And I think that's gonna continue to happen. And I think it's a beautiful transition for Lander to adopt and absorb like this this new thing that's like really taking traction like you said like it's growing fast here like the amount of people that I'm hearing like getting into it and the amount oh, of yeah. kids that I'm seeing like I just finished like our first flow trail jump trail at Sinks Canyon uh, at the ASI campus and like within a week like there's probably like 40 people that ride that thing a day now and like the amount of kids that are freaking out and they're like we want more and I'm like I will give you more hundred percent I am so stoked to keep building trail here and like keep getting the support but we need to think about the long term because there will become a day that we have you know half a million mountain bikers coming through Lander like those are not unrealistic numbers for the amount of traffic that we will see for and people travel for biking if there's a sweet trail people will literally drive across the country just to go ride that trail or fly or whatever but um but yeah it's exciting times things are shifting it's evolving like johnny behind the rocks has a master plan that imba did um several years ago and they're now very seriously talking about trying to figure out how to receive the funding and come up with a plan to you know like work with myself or another company but uh, lots of support for me to continue doing the building here and that would be 40 miles of new trail at johnny behind the rocks and ASI is only going to be growing and with all those students now we're going to be able to have the opportunity to build really really strong relationships with the land managers of the forest service and the BLM and the state and trying to like bridge that gap to show that we have the manpower and the responsibility and the education to really take on managing trails around here and then grow with like doing the maintenance on all these trails and my dream you know just personally from my opinion is that like sinks canyon is like one of the best setups that you could possibly have for recreation and if we actually like bridged that gap and got permission from the forest service to like one day build more trails like off of brewers we could have like such an incredible trail network up there 
that could tie all the way into Mortimer Lane if we got all the land managers on board in, in agreement. And so these are the things that could exist and they probably will exist at some point. But yeah. Um, but right now we're very much in like that, like it's been a long 10 years of like pushing and trying to get all the red tape approved to just like get this step that we're at now happening. So it's a, it's a pretty big, big thing that we're building this school and we're building the first downhill specific trail that John behind the rocks. Like we've never had like a one way specific trail. So these are very, very huge like milestones that we're hitting. Yeah, I see a bright future ahead. <laughs> you said half a million? Yeah. I mean, over the whole summer. Like, not like we're, all, obviously all at once. But All at once, right? All at once! <laughs> but I mean, these are the things that people, you know, need to be aware of. That like, yeah. it's it's a rapid fire. Like, once it starts, it like, it's going to go. It's a freight train. And so it's just like, Jurassic Classic's going to happen this year. And then a lot of people are going to see these new trails. They're all going to go back. And they're going to tell all their friends. Landry just got all these sweet new trails. Next year is going to be at least five times that many people coming yeah. back. And then there's going to be more trails next year. And then they're going to be like, oh my god, they kept building more trails. And then that's going to throw, it just, it keeps compounding. And then with like social media and like doing marketing and stuff and like doing videos. Because like that's very much a part of the plan is like to create some really awesome content from all this cool stuff that we're doing. Well, yeah. And so... And, like, I'm the most prideful landrite that there is. Like, I've, I'm so stoked, like, through and through on, like, what this community is doing. But but I just, I think, like, the scale of, like, what it could turn into is something that's, like, a, a very real topic to, to consider for the future, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, and, I mean, we've talked about with numerous people how lander is growing. And there's always that push and pull of... Yeah we don't want Lander to change, but the inevitability is that it's coming. And yeah, if I, we're not ready for it, like we're going to be, we're going to be overrun. Yeah. <laughs> like it's going to, it's going to be an issue. We you know, talked about this last month when I met up with Alan, when he got into town. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, obviously the elephant in the room, like we, we have to bring up Jackson. If we're going to talk yeah. about Wyoming and like, Oh, a hundred percent. That, um, Driving through that town is garbage. Like right. it is so hard, and it shouldn't be that hard, but it is. <laughs> right, and like Jackson is like amazing, obviously, yeah. but it is like, yeah, absolutely, you're right. And so one thing that I kind of mentioned to Alan, and this is just my like my personal opinion, mm-hmm. we have to like be specific about what we're scared of because if we're scared mm-hmm. of like people that are different than us coming into Lander then that's not something that I agree with. I think yeah. that's oh, 100%. like... Oh, 100%. For sure. Some I want all of that diversity. Yeah. Like, bring it here. No, that's like I've, what makes Lander awesome. I mean, Knowles was, has been doing that for years. Right. right? Totally. When people are like, why is Lander so cool? I'm like, because we always have different, unique people here. Yeah. Yes. Always. Yes. They're young. They're vibrant. They want to do cool shit. And that like, yeah, and that like and that rubs off on, long, on our community, and that right? Like longevity in a community in Wyoming where a lot of communities in Wyoming do not have that longevity. No. People want to move to Lander. There are events happening in Lander as we speak. There's a big event tomorrow and thousands Huge. of people are going to show up. Little Smokies, man. Look at me. Get on my high horse. Yeah. <laughs> I am on my soapbox right now. But yes, I think, like, obviously, yeah, we need to be specific about what we're scared about. If it's about, like, people that are different than us moving in and we don't like that, then, in my opinion, like, that's kind of, like, tough shit. But it is, like, good and okay to be scared of um, people that are locals 
that have been here and might have generations here and as well as other people that want to live in Leander but can't do it. Yeah. Well, yeah, cause, because I mean, like, of... look at housing right now. Exactly. I mean, like, it's, I mean, like, if we wouldn't have bought this house five, six years ago, like, we'd be totally screwed right now. Right. And it's like, that's a huge issue that, like, no one's really touching because it seems like a really difficult topic, right? To, like, even try and cover. But it's like, yeah. the reality yeah. is, is people come here and they're like, Lander's the shit. I'm going to live here. Yeah. Right? And I mean, like, that's, that's like, part of it. Like, we've yeah. got to be prepared for those and things. the fact is, is that everywhere else is way, way more expensive. Yeah. So it's like, even though that our housing is going through the roof, to us, it's crazy. But to everyone that's moving from all the like California, corner, yeah, I, you know, yeah, like, they're like the whole two hundred thousand dollars show. You uh, know? Yeah, well, I mean, I when I moved up to Canada, my my dreams of owning a place were shattered. They were like, oh, like so, what do you have to start with? And I was like, I don't know, like I'm looking for something like under two hundred or something like that. And, and they're like, ha, and they're like funny. Ha. Well, here's a trailer on a half acre lot for a million, and that's shut no, up. That's what it starts at. You can't get anything under a million. You have to start at least like seven hundred to a million to start. That's a starter price. That's just what it is. Like it's gotten so bad that I don't know a single person my age that's like actually thinks that they can buy a house on their own without like assistance from someone. How well, could yeah, you? You couldn't. How, how, like, and I mean and that's like a whole other and conversation then, about like, like the know, industry generally. Average but. rent up there is like forty five hundred, five thousand a month or something. So it's just like you're literally just you're screwed and it's like that's the situation i live in and i've seen and i'm like mm -hmm. this is nuts like i wouldn't be there if it wasn't so badass for like nature and like all the mountains and all the stuff you can do but it's just like it's really concerning it hits home for me because i come home and i'm looking at land going up and up and up around here and like housing and stuff and i'm like shit like i wanted to like have a place in land here. like i wanted to like yeah. still call this home forever and like you know not rely on like my parents or whatever it's like i wanted to like have my own spot here one day and it's crazy that this is like a runaway train that i'm like well shit like am i actually going to be able to get on that train and i grew up here like that's yeah. a, that's a pretty like heartbreaking feeling to see like that the community could change and evolve so quick that like the locals that are proud to be from here can't even afford to live here mm -hmm. and, and i mean like honestly down. it's a that's a whole conversation to have about nationally, right? I mean, yeah. like, it's happening yeah, yeah. across it's the board. And it's, like, private industry, right? Like, I mean, like, there's a whole <clears throat> conversation to have about that. But having a bunch of people come in quickly mm -hmm. is going to make it more intense totally. faster. Like, totally, yeah. And, I mean, we're uh, a pretty yeah. attractive little town. I mean, we're cute as hell. We got Look at all us. The sweet yeah. shit. We got the climb. We, we got the mountains. We got the trails. Like... Yeah, I mean, we got it the restaurants out. for yeah, the most part. totally. You know, I mean, like, we cute as hell. Mm -hmm. I'll be. But I'm a big supporter of, like, elevate those who come in and, like, you know, yeah. don't don't put down those that are below. Like, elevate them to your level. Like, teach them, 100%. like, the lander ways. Like, you know, because right. it's like <clears throat> some people come in and they're a little bit ignorant or, like, they just don't know. They don't have that respect. And I think that's a big thing with small communities is it's, it's really felt, like, as, as a whole like when somebody comes in kind of cold shoulders and they just buy their way in it's like eh, like yeah and it's like, like that and I think that's like when we get down to the biggest issue I think you hit on it right there is that we don't want people coming in here who are going to take away 
that Wyoming lifestyle of like, we respect one another here. We support yeah. each other. I mean, every time somebody asks me about Wyoming, I'm like, well, it's like this wonderful little thing where like, yeah, we've got our issues for sure. And for the most part, like when I want to do something, somebody's like, oh, hell yeah, that's great. How can I support you? Right. I mean, yeah. like people like jump in totally. and I think like overall, that's what people are afraid of is we don't, we don't want that coming in yeah. because that's not who we are as people. Yeah. Right. And it, and because like change is like scary when you think about yeah. like, it's terrifying. I mean, like, Change is scary for everybody, and, like, I'll, I'll for sure acknowledge that. You think of Lander in, like, the 90s when climbing went gangbusters. Yeah. People were like, fuck the climbers. Yeah. Do you remember when people we got our new Safeway? People are still. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. But, like, look at what Lander has become because of that. Exactly. Yeah. Look at what Lander has become because of the different individuals and the walks of life and cultures that like people bring and ultimately under like the underbelly I'm getting at is like longevity. Oh, for sure. People want to come and spend time in Lander and that's, and they should beautiful. It's awesome. here. Yeah. Okay. One more question that I ask everybody. Yeah. What is your favorite Lander smell? Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Lander smell. Uh, sagebrush after your rain. There you go. That's such a good one. There you go. It's such a good one. Yeah, there's cool. a lot. You guys really hit, like, pretty much. There it is. That's Alan Mandel in a nutshell. Oh, God, and it was Dude, so good, too. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Oh, shit. Yeah, appreciate you guys holding space for this. Oh, man. You guys are amazing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yes. right. I mean, yes, but also, <laughs> you. Yeah. <laughs> Over here. Like, <laughs> just a lander boy doing lander things. It was written in the star. Oh, just a I'm lander so boy. Yeah. I'm eternally proud of you. Yeah. I mean, Thank I realize that I just met you, but I am also fucking proud. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Thank you, guys. Yeah, it's so cool. Every time I see somebody that we like graduated with or that I know is tied with you, I'm, I'm like, are you keeping up with Alan? And they're like, yeah, Alan's killing it. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I know Alan's killing it. Let's stop and talk about Alan for a minute. Wow. Yeah. You keep doing the thing, dude. Yeah. Thank you, man. Yeah. Anything you want to leave us with? Man, always offer before you request. Keep Mm. giving. Keep giving people. That's a good one. There's a word for that. It's called Aini. Aini comes from the Amazon, the Quechua language. And that was was a big lesson. Always give before before you request. Yeah. That is a great piece of advice. That is a great piece of advice. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys. Really appreciated it. Same. This is Jordan. This is Amara. This is Dear Lander. Bye. Shut up.